uh, ADI. Welcome to The View from the Outside. My name is Suresh Venkat. I'll, uh, today's episode is called Navigating Uncertainty. Let's meet up. We have Akesha Leroy, Consumer Trends Expert. Hi, Akesha. Hello, Suresh. We have Ashish Goel, co-founder of Urban Ladder. Ashish, welcome to the show. We have Vinny, he's the chairman of the Avishkar Group. We have Ranjan Malik, managing partner of Primalize, and Kiran Kalap, managing director and co-founder of Chlorophyll. We also have the ADI team with us. We have Seema Seth, Nishant Wazir, and, and uh, Anshu Ajmani, who are managing the backend. We also have with us uh, Garima Shukla. Garima is an illustrator who works with Paytm Travel and does a bit of freelancing. She will be making sketch notes of today's discussion and sharing it with you at the end of the discussion. Let's also welcome Nishma Pandit. Uh, she's a member of ADI Pune. Nishma, go ahead, Nishma. All yours. The floor is yours. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Suresh. Uh, so I welcome everyone. And uh, it's great to have all of you here. And I would really like to welcome the audiences also who have joined us. It's a great pleasure. We are all looking forward to a very nice, uh, thought-provoking session today. Uh, my job is... Uh, to introduce ADI here, and I'm gonna make it really fast. So ADI is Association of Designers of India, and it's a pan-India organization. And we are committed to promoting best practices in the profession of design in India. And to know more about us, go to our website, adi.org.in, and you can you know, read up. I would also request uh, those who are not members yet, to enroll yourself and take up the membership. Thank you, Suresh, and thank you, all the panelists. All Welcome. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Nishma. Thank you. All right, let's dive right in. So one question we got uh, for today's panel discussion is this is the discussion on design and we don't have designer on the panel. That's precisely the intent that ADI had. It's called the view from the outside. We want people from outside the design profession, but who have a stake in Indian design to weigh in on design. Let me all start with opening remarks. You need to answer this with one or two sentences. So let's start with you, Akesha Leroy. What's the one thing about navigating uncertainty that you've learned from this lockdown? Um, I think for me, it's really to ask what is truly essential um, because we know that lockdown life calls that only essential business is allowed, both from the consumer side as well as from business side. And being a trend watcher for the longest time, one of my biggest pet peeves is to see how many innovations are really not essential. Um, you see refrigerators that are connected and can send tweets from the refrigerator and you're like, does the world really need a tweeting refrigerator? Like seriously. Um, so one thing that really stood out to me is that how businesses and designers, of course, have been forced to ask um, what is truly essential and are we really creating something that's essential for the world? I said all of that with commas in the middle, so that's all just one sentence. <laughs> Kiran, what have you learned? What's the one thing about navigating uncertainty for you? Asking me? Yeah, Kiran, go ahead. So, one word answer, pivoting. Okay. I think uh, it's not just about thriving, but even for surviving, the key thing that I realized in the past two months is we have to rapidly pivot on products, processes, people, every single aspect of business to make sure that we are still in the game. Vineet, what's the one thing that the lockdown has taught you? So, uh, see, uh, uncertainty is uh, normally leads to fear and fear actually makes you start doing things that you should normally not do. So when you are in a lockdown, when you don't know what's going to happen, uncertainty and ambiguity goes in, you go, you drop down. First, you drop all preconceived notions. 
And the second thing you do is uh, drop down the time horizon that you look at. So if you're in a lockdown, don't think more than 15 days because if you start thinking three years down the line, you won't see anything alive there. So uh, <laughs> drop the significance of uh, long-term thinking. Like a famous technology, long-term, we are all dead. Yes. Malik, the one thing that uh, you've learned about navigating uncertainty. See, one thing that uh, this lockdown has uh, starkly shown us is that the time for dinosaurs is over. I mean, the extinction is here and uh, the big hierarchy-based rigid organization that, that's the relic of the industrial revolution is way past its use by date and lo lockdown is actually showing us. You know, these were these big companies that, you know, uh, that had men and machines running them, uh, machines working like machines and men working like machines. They were centered around, now that's important and that's what lockdown is showing us. They were centered around predictability, predictable supply, predictable demand, predictable profits, even they, they needed predictable future. Suddenly when something so unanticipated happens, we see that, that a new kind of organization will emerge now, which is centered not around predictability, but emergence. Organizations that are far more adaptive, you know, like platforms. The, you know, the factory model schooling system kind of supplied, to, uh, supplied these compliant human beings to this factory model uh, working system. But now we'll suddenly see new kinds of workplaces, new kinds of organizations. Some of the old organizations surely will adapt to the new world and new organizations will be born in this, this new paradigm and they'll thrive. Ashish Goel, other than learning to give yourself a haircut, what else have you learned about navigating uncertainty? Since you come to me last, Suresh, uh, I will cheat and uh, uh, use two words. First is, uh, I think the importance of balance. These are tough times and stressful times for everybody. So to stay balanced in the head, you know, and stay relaxed a little bit. So that's first. And second is the uh, importance and criticality of uh, agility. Uh, nobody knows uh, where the world will take us uh, and how things will pan out. You know, maybe what Ranjan is saying is, uh, is perhaps true, but maybe it's not. I think the only thing we can do is to stay responsive to the, uh, to the uncertainty and, and keep our mind balanced about that uh, responsive. So balance and agility. All right. As designers and design entrepreneurs, why do you think that the VCP community ignores us, the venture capital private equity industry? A lot of designers complain that they're running out of money, they don't have runway, they don't get enough investments. All right. So an even split uh, between they don't understand us and we are not scalable businesses, they don't know about us and because the media ignores us is the last. So we're not scalable businesses and they don't understand us. So Vinit Rai, as an impact investor, you have seen many ups and downs in this economy. Is this a normal down or is this a black swan event? Uh, well, I think uh, I would say in the last 100 years, if you look at last 120 years, I think this event is far bigger in terms of its impact than probably World War I and World War II were for the global economy and the, for, the, for each one of us individually as well. Uh, I would actually say that uh, World War I and World War II, even though they actually impacted the world, but 20% of the people or less than 20% of the people were actually engaged in the war. Rest were actually doing something. Of course, uh, uh, at a much lower level of efficiency and capital. But right now, what you have is what humanity has never seen in the last five, 3,000 years of its existence. So this is a, a Black Sivan event of the kind that humanity has never met, seen, or witnessed. And therefore, the consequence of this uh, is going to be way beyond what any of us can imagine. So this is a black swan event in summary to what yeah. you're saying, like World yeah. War One and World War II. Uh, Ash, even much, much of much larger scale than World Larger scale than World War II. 
Ashish Goel, I imagine Urban Ladder has a fairly steep uh, fixed cost structure, uh, people, uh, retail outlets, warehousing. How are you managing? I don't imagine you're doing any sales in this time. How are you managing to pay your people and your costs? Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, uh, absolutely, you know, uh, crazy, uh, tough uh, challenge uh, because uh, not just do we have a challenging business environment, extremely challenging business environment. We as a society have a huge uh, humanitarian uh, problem in front of us. And uh, we obviously uh, employ a number of people who, uh, you know, come from less privileged uh, financial backgrounds. And that's really the central, uh, central problem to solve for. Not just directly our uh, manufacturer suppliers also. Uh, so not an easy task at all. Uh, I think uh, somewhere, uh, you know, uh, we have, uh, but you know, at the same time, I also think that the humanitarian inside every person also uh, rises up. And what we have done is, you know, we have had conversations with pretty much our entire team, our suppliers, all our partners, and everybody has to take some amount of a haircut because somewhere we have to find a way to at least through this lockdown period, we have to support, uh, you know, everybody around us. Uh, so very, very difficult. Uh, we are dipping into, you know, our uh, reserves uh, uh, for our organization. At least uh, I have set aside a personal, uh, you know, emergency fund uh, from my side uh, because, you know, I mean, thankfully none of our team members has been impacted yet, but you can't say. So, I mean, uh, balancing these two things is uh, it's a massive challenge for any organization and any country. So we are trying, we are doing our best. You would say startup businesses should keep about three months of reserve in future or longer or more? I mean, this uh, this event is uh, going to everybody question. Three months of reserves uh, is, uh, you know, basically you'll get wiped out for sure. Okay. Because already 55 days since we have had literally zero revenue. 50 days, yeah. Right. Okay, Shilara, Hong Kong recently uh, lifted their lockdown. Gyms, malls, beaches, from what I hear, are open. And people are flocking to those places like crazy. Apparently, business in Hong Kong is booming from what I hear from my friends there. So here's my question to you. Do you think people will automatically jump back to their old habits of consumption once the lockdown is lifted? I think this phrase to jump back to what it was before, there is no such thing as going back or jumping back. Um, even with just with life, there's no such thing as going back. Um, what we have to ask really is what is ahead and what is that new kind of um, life that people will be looking forward to after this whole thing is lifted. And if you take the example of people flocking to the beaches and the cinemas once the lockdown is lifted, I do think that's just um, behavior out of impulse because that's the one thing that people miss that they couldn't do when um, they were under quarantine. And it's less about the action itself and more about um, you know, the idea that you can't do it and therefore you want it more. Um, so I think that's why everybody's flocking to it now because they're like, yay, now we can do it. So everybody goes, but that's just out of impulse. But once that dies down a little bit, I think what everybody is going to have to deal with is to think, um, what will life look like now? Because what lockdown has done has, is, it's really, um, it has changed people's expectations around, um, how life can look like, how work life can look like, how home life can look like, how social connections even can look like. Um, so that's just. Um, that's the thing that everybody will have to deal with. What kind of a life are we all designing um, for the future? And there is no such thing as going back. Many designers, especially those involved in retail, Akesha, asking if consumer spending will go back to its normal pattern or whatever we used to call the normal pattern. Do you think consumer behavior will be spending, especially will go back to normal? Consumer spending will go back to normal. Well, I think the number one um, phrase that everybody's talking about today is the new normal. Um, so... We don't, I don't think it's going to go back to what it was before, 
um, the whole thing happened. And Finit just now mentioned that he thinks it's the Black Swan event um, of, of the scale that was like the World War, the first two World Wars um, in the century. So after an event like that, I, think, I don't think there is such thing as going back to what it was before. But again, what is that new normal then? How will people now spend their money um, with a different expectation about life, basically? You don't, Kalapa, you don't have consulting business. Are clients paying for consulting advice at a time like this? So the one thing we have done, uh, Suresh, is taken a leaf out of uh, Fuji Films strategy. So mm -hmm. at one point, Kodak was 10 times the size of Fuji. And in 2012, Kodak closed down, like Ranjan was saying, as one of those large companies. Not that they didn't try. They were ahead of their times and they tried. But Fuji survived. Fuji, I think, today is 3.4 billion. And the lesson that you have learned is what we are calling unwrapping or unpacking. So we have had um, intellectual property on products, on processes. And what we have done is we've broken them down. And instead of offering the whole thing to clients, we are able to offer the unpacked uh, bits of the process. So since we have a lot of intellectual property on say research that we do for brands, we're saying, okay, you can now access just just the research part. Or you can just access, uh, if you're a startup, startups don't need the whole process, you need only this part. So that is the way we have found a way of uh, bringing value, even though the price that they are playing is lower than before COVID. So it's a way of unpacking what we have so that both sides see value in the lower prices that they are willing to all right, so the big insight from uh, your answer, Kiran, is uh, unpacking your offering so clients can sort of pick and choose from a menu of options. Yeah. Ranjan Malik, you run a consulting business as well. Many designers complain that when budgets are cut, especially at times like this, the design budget is the first to go. Why is that? Why is design and innovation the first to go? See, the first instinct of organizations sure is to uh, cut the desirable, to focus on the essential. Organizations themselves are in their economy mode, so to speak. Uh, so they want to cut down. So we have seen organizations putting projects on, on, you know, they park it for to be considered again during peacetime. You know, we'll look at it later kind of a thing. But we also feel that these kinds of enforced pauses uh, are actually a very good time to focus on your Horizon 2 and Horizon 3 kind of uh, work. Uh, but usually that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, it, typically these kinds of projects don't get taken on dur during every day, you know, uh, because usually you are, you are at such a frantic pace that you say, that's horizon two, horizon three, we look at it when we have time. Now we have time, but organizations still are not able to look at those in those, these kinds of times. But we've, what we've seen is, and that's very interesting, is sometimes some ongoing projects, because they're on, the button has been pressed, organizations go back to the uh, drawing board and we look, we rescope the project. Often, very tactical projects become very strategic projects. Can you give us an example of something like this from your practice, Ranjit? Um, uh, you know, a project like or, or a time like this, what happens is this is a typically when you when you have solutions that you're looking at, propositions that you want to prototype. There are a lot of but what what will happen if but what will happen this. This mm -hmm. is a great time when these buts get suspended. Okay. This is a great time when, I mean, it's a it's, it, these kinds of times actually give you a license to play, license to even fail. 
So therefore, a lot of propositions that, that, are, that are actually rejected, saying, but how will we do this? Because obviously, when you have a new proposition, compared to your current business, they look raw. Because they've just been crafted, they've just been conceived. And these are the times when organizations say, Marta kya na karta? You know, what do we do when we have no other option? So let's just try this out. So we have had, I mean, uh, this, uh, during this time, I haven't had any experience of any organizations coming back to us with certain kinds of projects like these. But in the past, we've seen that when recessions have happened. Uh, but in one particular project, we, have, we are actually looking at, and that's the opportunity, we're actually looking at, you know, we do something called uh, crafting a fictional universe for a content company. Now, for that, it's a socio-cultural mapping process. You need to visit those places, you know, different kinds of cultures to map them and then come back and craft the fictional universe. It's called world building. Now, when you can't travel and go to, say, uh, Bundelkhand or, uh, or, or any other, say, Abad, what do you do? How do you still craft a fictional universe? So we are actually looking at new kinds of ways to, to do that. And very surprisingly, we found interesting ways where we say, wow, this kind of method existed, and, but we never looked at it. But if we can crack this, we actually don't, we won't need to stay limited to only those five places we can visit. We can actually do it with places everywhere in the world. Right, you know, so not those, uh, just those places that are reachable only by, say, flight or, or transport. Adversity is causing a reevaluation of priorities. That brings us to our second poll. In the first poll, I asked about uh, what the design community thinks of the venture capital and private equity industry. I'm going to ask what the design community thinks of itself. In your opinion, are designers too insular in their worldview? Quite often, we at design festivals are accused of designers talking to other designers and preaching to the converted. We have four options. We don't look outside enough. We're pretty well connected. Some of us are, most of us are not. Most of us are insular, but some of us are not. All right, so that's not good news for the design industry by and large. We have 43% saying most are insular, but some are not. And we have 28% saying some are insular, but most are not. Only 13% say we're pretty well connected. Right. Minita, I'm going to come to you with the first question again. Your fund has actually made an investment in during the lockdown in Argos, a startup in Bihar, uh, which is involved in the business of green digitization. So I have two questions for you. How can grains be digitized? And what made you invest in this in the middle of an economic crisis? So I think every crisis has an opportunity on the other side. Uh, and Argos is actually a very simple case of uh, uh, looking for ingenuity in, uh, in a slightly different place. So uh, this is not a new investment for us. We had made this investment in 2015 as a thought process. Uh, it was just a paper idea at that point of time. But in the last five years, we learned quite a lot. And uh, we wanted to actually scale this up quite significantly. Mm -hmm. So the commitment we are making is closer to $10 million or 75 odd crores, uh, of which 50% of it, we put it right in the middle of COVID. And to give you just a context of why, why we actually chose to go ahead with it, is we had a theory that this is a COVID-proof investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I invested on 30th of March. So I got the whole of April to check my theory. Uh, and uh, the theory was that uh, we should not get impacted. And just to compare between April 2019 and April uh, 2020 results. So the company then acquired 8x on community. So it grew 800% compared to what it was in April 19, uh, in April 20 in terms of consumers and 300% in terms of revenue and value. Okay. So, so I think that just tells you now, what is digitizing of grain? Well, as you know, farmers struggle in many different ways. One of the biggest challenge that farmers have 
is once they harvest, they don't know where to keep the grain. Uh, generally in India, warehousing is at 50,000 tons and more. So if you are actually five bag farmer or 10 bag farmer or half a ton of uh, grain, uh, you don't know where to store it. So the idea behind this uh, company was to take uh, warehousing right in the villages and ask the villagers to create a warehouse okay. and then use technology to pro convert it into like a bank. Okay. So you and I go to bank, we put in the money, uh, but when you take the money out, you don't get the same cash. What we are doing is we are trying to harmonize uh, the bag that is coming in and saying it has to be this kind of paddy. It, uh, this is the amount of waste agreement. We'll make some sample checks and then digitize it. So when the person wants to take it again, you actually can give him any bag. Okay. And uh, so the real benefit of this is the real benefit of of this is that you can actually have multiple warehouses and you can bring them all together and sell it. So it creates a lot of efficiency, drops down the cost and makes you uh, very viable. Maybe a little later in the discussion, I'm going to ask what it's going to take for you to invest in a design-based business. And that's going to come later in the discussion. But for now, Akeshal Roy, now the lockdown means losses for many businesses, like Ashish pointed out, like the other panelists. But it also means extraordinary profits for some businesses. Zoom, for instance, the platform that we're on is seeing, I think, 300% growth for something since the lockdown started. The pharma industry is going to see a huge uh, upswing in its fortunes. What are some of the trends that designers can spot to make the most of this lockdown? How can they spot opportunities? I worked for six years with a firm called Trend Watching. And at Trend Watching, we've always told people to... Um, look at innovation through the lens of basic consumer needs, um, basic human needs, basically. Um, so it's the same with even in, in, in any situation, and it applies to a situation like today as well. Um, when we want to spot, when we want to spot opportunities, what we need to ask ourselves would be, um, how can we better serve basic human needs in the situation? What has changed? And in the context of what has changed, how can we then serve people's needs better. So if you, um, you mentioned the example of Zoom, and I think Zoom's success is one, um, one key highlight of how a company can um, capitalize on all the change that's happening and serve a basic human need in a new and better way. So the basic human need here is really social connections um, and community and, um, you know, just meeting people and socializing in a time where you can't be physically present. And so Zoom um, is actually serving that need um, in a better way. And so on one hand, look at the basic human needs that we can serve better in the context of what has changed. And again, this goes back to the first point where I say, ask about what is truly essential and what can we truly do to make people's lives better. Um, and the second bit of it really is to get your user experience right, because why do we choose Zoom over the other video conferencing platforms? And that has to do with um, the kind of user experience that you get on the platform. So yeah, look for basic human needs that you can serve better in the context of what has changed and then um, get your user experience right. That's a good point, Akisha. Zoom was not the first video conferencing platform. Skype and Google Hangouts and BlueJeans and a whole host of them predated yeah. Zoom, literally zoomed ahead of the others. Much like Google, if my statistics serve me right, was the 14th search engine to enter the business. There were 13 other uh, functioning search engines at the time Google entered the business and Google outstripped all of them. So much for first mover advantage. They were the 14th mover. Ashish, next question to you. During this time, some businesses will collapse. Uh, some will barely scrape through and some will survive with flying colors. Is this natural business Darwinism, survival of the fittest? Mm, I think so. I mean, you know, uh, somebody, think, uh, somebody spoke about dinosaurs. I mean, uh, somebody who ruled the earth for years, uh, millions of years, and then, you know, clearly they don't exist today. Uh, I think principle applies in business also. This next few months are uh, 
definitely not for the faint hearted and uh, you know you survive you survive you don't you don't but the world is going to get reset that's for sure mm-hmm. and uh, i mean this this needs uh, you know uh, one part will be uh, who innovates more who thinks sharper harder and the other part is definitely going to be who has more cash balance mm-hmm. um, so yeah i think uh, you know uh, a lot of the air will get cleared uh, you know and, and a time like this which is very unusual is not always about who is uh, smarter there is uh, there is an element of you know uh, right time right place which always applies as well so what i would say is you know for people who are uh, in in tough spots uh, i don't think people should beat themselves up too much uh, too much about it uh, this is an unusual event uh, as we need uh, very rightly said uh, and uh, you have to do the best you can all right i'm just going to go to vinith for a quick reaction to that vinith out of every 10 startups that start in the year nine fail in the first year out of 10 and out of those that survive nine fail in the second year and out of those that survive nine fail in the third year i might be slightly wrong on the numbers here and there but a large number of startups are doomed or doomed to fail covid or no covid people don't feel yeah. bad about startup failing at this point of time should the government spend and invest and prevent companies from failing or let business take its course no so i, I don't think so government is even doing anything to save anybody so yeah. and i don't think so it's government's role it's entrepreneurs role to take risk and uh, uh, outcomes are not in your control so it's written in gita that you should focus on the process of uh, acting on what you are supposed to act and uh, leave the leave the outcome to the hands of whosoever controls our destiny covid is not controlled by you as an entrepreneur your job is to actually put the best effort forward uh, survival and uh, scale and uh, value creation would depend on multiple factors uh, yes as entrepreneurs uh, your job is to within your limited capability try to excel so i personally don't think there is uh, anybody should see failure in current scenario as a very huge negative but for us for anybody i mean for me also it will be a huge personal loss if i become a failure uh, just because of one black swan event but a lot of businesses unfortunately are designed in such a manner that they cannot take this head and this is where a lot of structural issues come into play how have you thought about risks how do you how well do you understand risk how do you understand these kinds of scenarios uh, how have you done scenario planning and have you created the kind of liquidity extra that is needed so again uh, even if you do all what i am saying you may still die and that actually can happen so uh, yeah. I, i mean this is an exceptional time in business yeah all right it's time for our third poll the government has announced a 20 lakh crore fiscal stimulus if i'm not mistaken i know there's lots of maths and lots of number juggling and that can be interpreted in multiple ways but here's the question do you think this will help specifically the design industry recover there are three options of course it will big businesses will get the money smes will get the money trickle up economics trickle down economics good times around the corner no it won't mainly because we don't have a strong design lobby that can lobby for designers and if you frankly don't know enough about economics and fiscal stimuli they don't know can't say there you go 64% no this stimulus will not do anything for the design industry because we don't have a strong design lobby ranjan malik should we have a strong design lobby should the designers of india have a strong design lobby should we have a ministry of design i think so i think uh, a big step was taken when design policy was written it was an act of parliament and um, i think that was the first step and but we've been talking for this uh, for a long time now that designers 
need a more significant role. I think they uh, they come way downstream. And uh, in the earlier, you know, this hierarchy-based old industrial revolution kind of uh, business system, the designers would come in very, very late. You know, once the once the product has been made, we'd call in the designers and they'll make it look good or make it functionally better. Slowly, designers started coming upstream. I think designers today are those fortunate people who've not been through the usual standard uh, curriculum based we are the only species that pushes their, their little ones into these uh, small little time and space boxes to indoctrinate them and to prepare them and, and convert them into these compliant human beings who can work like machines i think designers have taken a step out they've they understand they've started to see world in wider and deeper manner i think the world has just discovered what designers do they call it design thinking and they know that it helps i think designers have a great opportunity to actually you know in this huge cacophony designers can't get get their word edgeways mm -hmm. this pause is a great precious pause i think the designers lobby should come together assert their presence the world needs designers not just to design products and processes i think the world needs designers to design business models the world needs designers to design ecosystems not just industry ecosystems but socio cultural systems everything is in disarray i mean you know taking a flight and going somewhere used to be such a mindlessly seamless process mm -hmm. just try mm -hmm. taking a flight another month when the flight start it will be a 5 hour process mm -hmm. everyone will be in space suits i mean ppes uh, and uh, it's going to be full of friction and that's where designers are needed not those compliant human beings who work like machines on their lives we need designers and designers lobby to come in and actually chart a manifesto for the world okay the question that many people are asking us is uh, with no clients no revenues no sales how how are design businesses themselves going to survive they can help their clients innovate what do they need to do to stay alive i think kiran said something very interesting unpack you know that's one format i think the designers will need to look at rethinking two things and designers are good at doing that rethinking reimagining one is their offering you know what do we offer the other is the format of delivery surely what do we offer unpack i mean you could be offering little little parts of little little uh, you know in the gig economy like they say um, i mean you could just be performing one little role right like in hollywood and bollywood a, a, a amazing number of people come together create magic and the team gets gets disbanded i think we need to modularize design that's one and format of delivery i think one thing that is starkly standing out in this lockdown is it's not about ideal what is ideal presence it's appropriate presence earlier we would erroneously believe that physical presence is the ideal next comes video then comes audio then comes text we all know that sometimes the most appropriate presence is just a text from your client and not the guy standing ahead of, you know on top of you and breathing down your neck physically you know and how do we therefore redesign our formats our own value propositions and maybe think of new delivery formats too i guess designers will need to do that do themselves a favor you know you seem to have a curious smile on your face my first question is what are you smiling about before i ask an actual question no no i was i was reacting to the ranjan's passion okay all right okay can we have a question for you you know different countries have sort of a national design brand Scandinavian design stands for minimalism and materials and wood. Italian design stands for flamboyance and color and bright red. American designs, American design stands for big, better, big tailpins, technology, gas guzzlers, all of that. What does Indian design stand for? 
if as a brand person you were to take a step back and look at brand Indian design, what does it say to you? I don't know right now whether we have a brand of Indian design. Mm -hmm. I used to look at this uh, little website called worldmapper.org and it had maps according to GDP. Mm -hmm. And the uh, map that we had before the English came to India, mm -hmm. India was 29% of world GDP and it looked like a big ball. You know, the only all that was larger was China. Maybe that is the time when we had a design associated with us. So we had textile, we had diamonds, we had all of those things. Today, I don't know. And maybe one of the things when I'm talking about unpacking, if you look at the two or three big trends that, to me, there are actually three marketing eras. There is a marketing era, branding and marketing era before social media that is still 2005-2006 and now till COVID is the second era and there's a third era and the third era is about sustainability and uh, safety and purpose. So what is, can Indian design now latch on to these three? As Ranjan said, what is the deliverable? What is the method of the delivery? It is all Digitalization is the big okay. you know, overarching push that is going to happen. But under that, what aspect of these three mega trends can Indian design own? Okay. For instance, sustainability is woven, reusability is woven in our lives, right? We, we reuse everything. Can we take the high ground on sustainability? Because we already know, right? We use neem twigs to brushed our teeth and everybody is going back to buying mm -hmm. them from Amazon.in. Hundreds of examples. So, is there is there a way for Indian design to say, okay, I'll go and attach myself to something much higher than just colors or a passing whimsy? Can I talk about purpose? So, like uh, Akeshya said, everybody is going to turn back and say, do I really need, what is the purpose of this thing? Why am I buying this? Why do I need a new pair of shoes when I already have one, right? So is that the other mega trend that Indian design can connect itself? So unless we own a larger narrative, a higher purpose, I don't think Indian design per se can be a brand. That's a good, that's a good insight, Kiran. Thank you. Higher purpose. I'm going to put that down as one of the key insights. All right. Moving on to the third part of our discussion. It's titled, okay, so what now? Ashish, first question to you. What's going to happen to your sector over the next six months? Do you have any idea? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Actually, I mean, I, I think, yeah, uh, the, the biggest known here is uh, uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody has uh, theories, uh, you know, uh, physical retail may go through challenging times more than digital retail. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe, you know, what's uh, happening as a blip, at least in Hong Kong. Uh, what you spoke about earlier, people will start thronging to stores. Uh, nobody knows whether that will be temporary or, or uh, long term. You know, some of the other themes, uh, which, you know, at least uh, one thing that we are working with, we'll see how it pans out, is that people start uh, spending more time at home, including entertaining at home, uh, you know, uh, hanging around at home, spending less time in public spaces, uh, restaurants, theaters, and whatever. And that frees up time to spend more time and money at home. Uh, travel becomes lesser. So we are expecting that you know if if that if that pans out then the living room in the you know classic uh, nuclear family home 
could become uh, really the uh, center of the universe, uh, which it has not really been in the last few years. It used to be, let's say, 70, 80 years back. Uh, so maybe we could see a real uh, large resurgence of the living room, and that could have an impact on, on my business. Uh, I think as an industry, for sure, there's going to be a shakeup. Uh, you know, uh, what it results in is very... Uh, Suresh, if I may, the question that you asked about uh, Indian design and, you know, yeah, just want to touch upon that, if I may. Uh, you know, the one word that, that constantly keeps coming back to me about uh, what's uh, special about uh, India and hence, uh, and in the context of design as well, is uh, what I call the manyness of India. Uh, everything is about India, you know, there's uh, many, right? Uh, there are uh, uh, many cultures, many religions, uh, many uh, generations of families living under one roof, uh, many colors, schools, and so on and so forth. Uh, I mean, you know, when I look at uh, the design, for example, you know, producing one product uh, millions of times over, have we done that that well? Probably not. Uh, but uh, have we combined uh, multi-materials into a product and, and brought that together uh, as, a, uh, as, a, as a great uh, answer? We've probably done that uh, many times, uh, you know. So that, that manyness of India, I think, is, is our, uh, whether it's good or bad, uh, who knows, but at least that's our uh, speciality. So maybe that's one uh, theme to think about. All right, that's a good uh, point for me. Akesha, did you raise your hand? Did you want to say something to that? Or should I move on to my next question? Okay. No, you can move on. <laughs> Many, many designers who are in the audience today are extremely passionate about Indian craft and there's a hashtag called hashtag handmade in India that's trending right now all across the internet. What will it take for an investor like you to invest in a design-led craft business? Uh, so with your permission, I actually would like to take on some of the things Kiran mentioned, which linked to design, but I also want to bring back to the audience uh, the thought process around uh, how the world is going to change uh, because what is happening through COVID is there is a re-architecting of thinking, right, both on the economic side as well as on the capital allocation side. We did discuss in different ways, uh, uh, what, is, what is it that we are changing? Uh, till now, in last hundreds of years, greed is good is what has been taught. All MBA schools, that's what is taught. Uh, what you want to do is sell more because growth at all cost was the narrative. Uh, climate change is taking place. Antarctica is melting. That's not my problem. Something must be happening. We don't know. What has COVID done? 400 grams or 200 grams of virus have taken the fear of God in the minds of those 0.01% who control the $200 trillion of global capital. Now, generally, people do not want to lose the money that there is there. So this $200 trillion is normally growing at 8 10% year on year. Uh, but now, suddenly, you have taken the fear of this becoming $100 trillion, $150 trillion. Mm -hmm. Now, as you understand and I understand, we may sacrifice growth, but none of us like to lose capital. So the world right now is thinking about how to retain capital. Okay. And when you're thinking about retaining capital, it's asking return at all cost versus resilience with return. What is resilience? Resilience means I do not want to deal with a situation where my capital melts down. How does this happen? Well, it happens if you're trying to actually sustain what you have. That means don't consume more than you can. So money is now going to be seeking resilience, which translates into sustainability. Okay. And if you are going to seek sustainability, which is going to become the center of everything where human beings, people, etc. do, uh, a lot of people say, oh, COVID-19 happens six months down the line, people will forget. That's true. People will forget. 98% of the people will forget and start behaving the way they were behaving. But those 0.01 or 0.1% people who control that 99% of global wealth will not forget. 
not because they are scared of COVID, but they are scared of something else that will change them. So they want to reduce the volatility and the risk that will come in. And therefore, resilience versus the returns is the way the new normal will be returned. So it will not be about how fast you can grow, how much money you can generate, but it will be about what narrative you are coming up with and how you define it. So that's important on the capital side. And therefore, what Kiran was saying is extremely visionary and extremely critical and important that the next decade is the decade of sustainability. 2030 is the time when the world has to be reimagined with no hunger, no poverty, no inequity. That's the sustainable development goals. If designers can latch on to this thought process and start weaving in and start telling people how you can actually generate value and wealth without actually screwing or destroying the environment, you will make a huge difference. Now, it comes down to the second question. What will it make for an investor to come to a designer? What will it take for you to invest since we have you on the panel? So that's, so let me put it this way. For any of us to actually invest in a designer, so designers are artists. Artists are people who can actually create, uh, who are basically fluid. They are coming up with very emotional. So there is a lot of emotions. There is a lot of vivaciousness and there are lots of thinking. But what we struggle with as investors is we are looking for hard logic. We are trying to understand. So what I have generally, while I have been dealing with the uh, designers, is there is a lot of passion, a lot of commitment, even a narrative. But the narrative is not trying to address our needs. The narrative tries to address their needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that your poll also reflected, that they are insular, so they are actually emotively driven by what they see. What they need to empathize and add a little bit of pragmatism is they are talking to somebody who is not a designer. Mm-hmm. So you need to then start understanding how an investor thinks. And what is an investor looking at? Investor is looking at a basic amount of logic. So how does your design create value? How does your design convert value into, uh, into something that actually is tangible? Don't tell me something. So it should not be like beauty that I see something else and you see something else. Both of us should see the same thing. And therefore, designers will have to move away from designing a beautiful thing for me. Uh, I want a tangible return thing. We are talking about money. So yes, there is scale, there is growth, but there is a very important narrative that they need to build in. And that narrative has to be on a global scale. And scale, global uh, uniqueness, diversity, all that would actually get anybody from like of mine. I have invested in Jaipur. I had invested in the entire back end of Fabendale. Uh, it's not that we have not invested. It's just that after a certain point of time, designers start using their interest in moving forward the narrative. And that's something that they should watch out. All right. I see Ranjan Malik nodding his head. So Ranjan, here's my question for you. I noticed you uh, nodded your head when uh, Vinit Rai said designers are artists. I know many designers in the audience will be up in arms against the definition of artists because we consider ourselves as people who add value, who understand consumer insight, who empathize with consumers and deliver value to the consumers. So three of the richest men in the world and therefore the most valuable companies in the world are design-led companies. I talk of Apple, Zara and Ikea. The founders of those three companies are amongst the richest in the world. And they could not have got that rich by selling mere beauty, right? So Ranjan, here's my question to you. Is design doing, doing a bad job of communicating to potential investors like Vinit? Yes. Okay, good. So the assumption is that we need to be talking to potential investors. Uh, sure, we need to. But I think the, uh, uh, there's a before and after the COVID. The world is going to be very different. I think we are also realizing this whole huge scale businesses is a very precarious model. 
I mean, the way we talk about the world, we say one country is the factory of the world, another country is the back office of the world, another country is the, the, the innovation uh, center of the world. Um, when you build systems so large, I mean, the, this is not human scale. This is far beyond human scale. You know, you know, when you look at the, the, the best master innovator of them all, Mother Nature, Mother Nature doesn't behave like this. We say biomimicry and we only uh, copy nature when it comes to products. Let's copy nature and take inspiration from nature when it comes to designing systems. We create man-made systems are clumsy systems. We, we go for scale, we go for huge this thing. Look at the way we, what has got us thus far? This whole very masculine attitude of compete to exploit, aggregate, scale, intimidate, etc. I think that attitude has got us this far. I think the next uh, era must, uh, there's a new guiding philosophy that must come in. Maybe eco-feminism. Uh, maybe a philosophy that says nurture. Look at nature. When you look at a large system, it is actually made of many, many large number of subsystems. Many, many subsystems. Each subsystem is a system in itself. And that is a very robust system. Because in a large system, when you have just four or five subsystems, if one fails, you know, you can see subprime happens and the system collapses. Something happens to Greece and the whole world is collapsing. Um, and so, so, suddenly your governments are coming and then overwhelming the whole thing and then bailing someone out. What kind of systems are we building? I think designers surely uh, do need to talk value. And I see Vinit's point here. Designers don't. They are very, very hugely emotion driven. But I think the world also needs to start looking at human scale. Okay. You know, for example, what has happened to me in, in, during this lockdown? I said, why am I so dependent on this larger system? Any system that makes me dependent on itself is a flawed system. It's a very selfish system because it, is, it loves my insecurity, my inadequacy. As long as I remain feeling inadequate and insecure, the system thrives. So what are we starting to do? People are cooking their own food and they are enjoying the fact that they are losing some of that dependence. So the whole thing is, I think designers are very human people too. And let's not push them into thinking scale and thinking big and thinking hugely, uh, you know, go and put a dent in the universe. That's a very megalomaniacal thinking. I think let's get some humanness back. And I think designers are well placed to bring that humanness back into our world. All right, a philosophical note from Ranjan Malik. Kiran, final question of the discussion here before I open it up for audience questions. What are some of the things you've learned from your clients? Big business, for instance. About some of the big? What are some of the things you can learn from your clients and therefore designers can learn from their clients about surviving this? Big business, for instance, how it's surviving. Oh, uh, one is, of course, uh, costs. Okay. Uh, how do you do, how do you control costs? So mostly in design or in consulting, 80 to 90% of costs will be people. How are you going to break the news to those people? Uh, we, we have taken salary cuts. We have deferred salaries. So that entire discipline remains the same across the world. So you'll have to have if you're doing those. The second that I was talking about is what of your offline expertise can you bring online? Okay. Okay. Now, the, I was giving you the example of uh, Fujifilm. The new CEO said we have 20,000 patented chemicals. We are not in the film business, we are into the chemicals business. Mm -hmm. So from one chemical, they got nutraceuticals. From the other, they got cosmetics. From the third, they got x-ray films and so on and so on. The designer, like 
Ranjan was saying, has this sense of human proportion. Mm -hmm. They have a sense of what human beings need. In COVID or post-COVID, can I bring that customized kind of sense online? Can uh, the designer say, okay, Mr. Client, you know, I'm very good at understanding problems one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not very good at this huge masculine thing about many million things. Okay. Now, tell me what kind of dress do you need? Okay. Tell me what kind of logo do you need? Talk to me. Now, can the offline experience that the designer is very good at, can that come online? You know, so I remember I was in the US in 2007 and my Wi-Fi wasn't working at my friend's place. And the nine-year-old son called up AOL and the AOL service center spoke to him for one hour. Mm -hmm. That is offline experience coming on, right? And designers are very good at this. They are very good at understanding your needs. So you can call me up anytime on Zoom. Whatever your design needs are, I'm going to have a chat with you for an hour and I'm going to deliver a solution, right? So this conversion of inherently what you're good at. The third part, which has come up again, digital has now made intangible tangible is what everybody has been saying. So there is a very famous chart which shows how between 1975 and 2015, the percentage of contribution to market cap for multiple companies has gone from 15 to 85%. Mm -hmm. Apple doesn't do anything, but has 20,000 patents. Mm -hmm. So the notion that even the brand language is about abstract, right? Which is abstract noun. Design also seems like it's about but it's not the beauty has come out of proportion and that is why it works so well. So this connection between design and function, all of these things which the designers already know, can we use this opportunity where everybody is going online and explain to the world, hey, listen, when I talk and understand you, I deliver much greater solutions. All right, Ranjan, quick reaction from you. I have to go into the audience. Yeah, so quickly, you know, I love what Vineet said. You know, greed used to be good. Uh, actually, greed used to be good. If you look at, uh, you know, people aren't ironing their clothes as often. People aren't using a lot of deodorants anymore because through digital, you don't get my bio. Uh, and by the way, do you know what, and like Acacia said, this is telling us what is essential and what's not essential. Do you know what the market size of deodorants is today? 80 billion dollars that's huge just a century ago in 1888 is when the patent was uh, uh, registered people actually felt it, it was of no use this thing and suddenly in the last hundred years it became so essential for us and come to think of it a world uh, where all stink no one smells uh, and uh, you know I, I just want to read out a uh, you know jay krishnamurti quote here he says it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. So what designers can do is, and what we need to, we need to begin designing systems that elegantly integrate the needs of the society with the integrity of nature. We've distanced ourselves from nature like some sort of superior exclusive beings. I think designers need to come in and help us reconnect with our humanness and therefore live more congruent lives. All right. The question is which client will pay for that. I'm not asking you the question. We'll get into a few audience questions. First question is for Vinit Rai from Shalini Subramanian in Bangalore. She's a designer. She makes and sells her own clothes. These are a slow fashion handmade clothes. 
she says a loan uh, at this time doesn't seem like a good idea to tide over uh, current cash flow situations because she has no orders and no sales. What's your suggestion for a small designer, manufacturer, retailer business to handle the to bounce back after the lockdown? Yeah, very, very, very tough situation to be in. But uh, see, this is why you actually need to think about what is the right thing to do. Now, there are two ways to look at it. Uh, is taking a loan a good thing? Well, you should, given the given the fact that government is guaranteeing, uh, see that as some sort of an equity. So. I, I would suggest that if you can't raise equity from friends, family, or anybody else, given the circumstances and the challenges, uh, I would recommend to look at what you can do. Uh, you will get some business, whatever business you will, maybe it will be 30% of what you would uh, normally do. You will have to drop your cost lines, etc. Take a loan so that you have to survive. Remember that once you take a loan, you will be part of a portfolio of a SIDB or somebody, if you're part of a portfolio of SIDB, and if you have some level of understanding of how far you can go, uh, take a loan of 3x of what you think you require uh, in the given times. Uh, take a one-year moratorium that if you get, if you get a one-year moratorium, please do take it. Uh, remember that government and the uh, lenders would have never been as uh, easy on giving loans as they have been post all these sovereign guarantees that have come in. So see this as equity. Uh, here is a chance for you to rethink and uh, drop your cost lines probably, hopefully go back and find your customers back again. Uh, but the money will give you a reasonably long life. And uh, I think one thing I have learned as an entrepreneur is you've got to survive. And if you can survive six months, 12 months, 18 months, the world will change and you will have an, an opportunity to adapt. If you don't survive, there will be no opportunity to adapt. So in the new regime, post the announcement by Nimala Sitaraman, uh, I would suggest do not say no to the loan that is available to you. All right, so debt is not always a bad thing. Okay, next question for Ashish. Only uniquely in the current times. In this context, that would be the worst thing. I get it. It's context to the current times. Ashish, multiple students in their final year are messaging asking what happens to jobs? Will companies like yours hire designers? Uh, I think, you know, in, a, in the next couple of months, things, you know, I mean, I'm probably too much of an optimist. Uh, my sense is things are going to start, uh, start settling down. And I think, you know, uh, design students uh, should, you know, let's say if you have to wait a couple of months, that's okay. But uh, my bias would be that opportunities will start uh, opening up. You know, I, I, I think it'll settle down. Uh, two, three months, the world will start uh, Figuring out how to how to live with the uh, current situation. I mean, I'm no I'm no sort of you know whatever health health uh, expert or something. But that's what it seems like. So people will start settling down. People will have to start innovating. Um, and uh, I I think the, the broad theme that was being discussed earlier, the world is going to change a lot. And actually, for, from a training standpoint, design students are by far the best trained uh, to think of innovation and creation. Uh, most of us are not trained for that. Uh, you, know, you know, so in that sense, if so much is going to change, then um, people trained for design have more of an edge if they choose to exercise it. Got it. We have Adam who asks, Akesha, how do you define the term essential? What is essential for me might be frivolous to you. That's actually a very interesting question. Um, the baseline for this is really to think about, again, basic human needs. Like, and, and it's even if we're designers, even if we're innovators, business professionals, at the heart of it, we're also human. So we can, we would do a good job to ask ourselves again, like, is this actually, as a human being, you think, is it essential? Um, but again, we do have to acknowledge that 
it's not just about people's needs, but also people's expectations. And you kind of have to know what are people's expectations say in terms of um, what should be available to them and what should be possible um, in terms of how they are living their lives. And one example is that um, I'm based in Singapore and we've had several different um, waves of government measures in terms of what's getting locked down and all that. Um, and for most of it, people's reactions have, have been like, oh, okay, fine, I guess it's not super fun, but we can live with it. Until one day the government said, okay, the cases are not going down, so we're going to have to take stricter measures. And from now onwards, um, we're going to put in all these measures. And one of it is that um, all bubble tea stores have to close. And funnily enough, that measure is the one that got all of Singapore up in arms saying bubble tea is essential for our survival. Um, so that's just one example of how when you want to think about consumers um, and what they think is essential, it's not really just science, but it's really you have to think about um, what, where are people's expectations at in terms of what they expect um, life should look like and what should be possible and what should be available to them. All right, Ranjan Malik, next question for you. Ashwini Deshpande of Elephant Design asks, who or what will be the designer's best friend in the future? I think uh, I, I read somewhere that COVID should get a Nobel Prize. I think uh, COVID is actually pushing us all into a zone where we have more questions than answers. I think designers thrive in this kind of a world. And I think this is a world that will look to designers because no one knows any better. I mean, the pan we are all panelists sitting here. These are all our conjectures. No one knows what, what's going to happen. So I think the best uh, will be that, uh, you know, the world has been sweating the small stuff not small stuff in a manner. I mean, we've been looking at scale, we've been looking at millions, billions of dollars, but we've been thinking very, in a very shallow manner. I think the world has begun to think like designers. So there's a lot of connect and people will understand designers much better. I think, for example, if you go to any corporate meeting, people are talking about what are the rational needs? What are the emotional needs that we must satisfy? Designers have known for a long, long time. There are no, actually, there are no rational and emotional needs. They are all primal needs and only rational and emotional expressions of primal needs. Mm -hmm. So look deeper and look at all the products that have, that have succeeded in the past and have endured. You'll see that they've hinged themselves on a very deeper primal need. And their product or that need predates their product because that need has always existed. Their product is the current best satisfier for that primal need. And there will be a time that will come where their product will become irrelevant and a new kind of a satisfier will replace their product. I think designers uh, now would be their best friend. I think everyone should make friends with designers now. <laughs> I love what uh, Vineet said. I think uh, designers should also just jump off that high chair and say, you, you guys can't understand us because, you know, I think they should start looking at this whole value thing too. I mean, it's not it's an and, it's not an either or. I think we should just make friends. It's not a, I mean, it's yin yang. Got it. Next question I'm going to direct to Kiran Kalak, who comes from Rashmi Burma. What are some of the retail categories of brands that may not survive post COVID, Kiran, in your experience as a brand strategist? One interesting trivia the day, and most of the people in the audience might know this, the day the lockdown opened in Wuhan, there was something called revenge shopping. and mm -hmm all the top luxury brands, which is Gucci or Hermes or Chanel, all sold more stuff in one day than they had in the last 20 years. Okay. But none of the luxury restaurants had people coming and dining. 
So there is no prediction. The, you, the behavior is different for different categories. So if you look at it the, for the first time in my life, I got an SMS from the Taj saying we can send food home. Why start sending food home when it is about two kilometers away and I can always walk up to it. And so this fear of earlier Suresh said that apparently in Hong Kong people are flocking back to the cinema houses. I don't know. So I always, my, my thinking about the future is that the, what, uh, what we said earlier, that the haves and the have-nots are going to deal with the future very, very differently. So, when, what is your retail outlet about? Is it about serving a particular need of a particular segment? In which case, as Akesha was saying, if their expectation is this is essential, that retail outlet is going to work. If the retail outlet is about fashion and people are saying, no, I can defer this, this is not essential, that place is not going to work. Can that brand therefore repurpose itself, which is what I was talking about. So there are these three big trends that are coming up, which is sustainability, safety, and purpose. Can your brand, whether it is retail, whether it is online retail, whether it is offline retail, connect to something meaningful in any of these areas of life, which is where the consumer is headed. So can you be riding the same wave as the consumer is riding? Right. I have a question unrelated to all of the above. Akesha, what on earth is bubble tea? And why are Southeast Asians so fascinated with bubble tea? Is it like Indians and mangoes? Is it something that's hard to explain? Yeah, I guess so. Um, well, bubble tea is really tea with milk, like a mixture of tea with milk and like different levels of sugar. And they put in tapioca pearls inside the drink. So it's both sweet and um, it's chewy as well. So you get that texture of chewing stuff inside your drink. Um, I have no idea why Southeast Asians are like super into bubble tea, but yeah, people here are crazy about bubble tea. <laughs> All right, final poll that we have for our audience, poll number four. Do you think the pandemic and lockdown will cause permanent changes in our consumer behavior? No, it will not. We'll go back to business as usual. Yes, it will. Things won't be the same anymore. Some things will change. Most things will stay the same. And finally, who knows? We're evenly split between most things will stay the same and some things will change. And 41% that says, uh, yes, it will. Things won't be the same, which means a lot of things will be different post-COVID and post-lockdown. All right, I'm going to ask... Uh, Garima Shukla to switch on her video right now. Garima is a sketch artist, like I told you. She works with Paytm Travel and she's been making sketch notes all through the discussion. Garima, if you could share your screen with us. All right, here we go. Here's a visual summary of our entire discussion. We take capital, black swan event, humanitarian insights, keep emergency funds. What is truly essential? Will, we, will only the fit survive business Darwinism? We need to... Digitizing green harmonizes efficiency and cost. View from the outside, re-evaluation of priorities, offline to online, unpacking your offerings. Thank you, Garima Shukla. Is this only one sketch or do you have more to share with us? Uh, it has in the entire thing. In it, yeah. All right, this has the entire discussion with us. So, this is amazing. All right, beautiful. We will send you all of you uh, a copy of this sketch, panelists. Don't worry about that. All right, Garima, thank you. This is lovely. Thank you so much. Nishma, over to you. Thank you, everyone. And 
it's very encouraging to see the participation for these webinars that uh, we've been having. And uh, I hope that uh, this engagement is uh, benefiting all of us here. And I think uh, this is a good time to get connected. And I would like to mention here that ADI is for everyone, uh, designers as well as those who are connected in any way to the field of design. So one of our polls said most of us feel that we don't have a good design lobby, right? And it's about time we all come together and uh, create a good uh, unified voice. So go and check adi.org.in and become a member. It's been a great session, very insightful and thought-provoking. Thank you. Uh, thanks the panelists. Thank, thank you all the people who are attending. And uh, it's very nice to hear your stories and your views. Looks like there's a need for a lot more empathy in the world. Have a good weekend. Stay sustainable. Stay humane. Stay creative and stay safe. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll be back next Friday with episode two. Till then, stay safe and stay sustainable.